Today on the Forevans Hill podcast, we sit down with Lynn Miller Pease, CEO of Leadership Everyone, to explore their mission of uniting diverse servant leaders for community transformation. Lynn takes us through the remarkable process of inclusive visioning where everyone's voice matters in shaping a brighter future. We'll talk about how these collective visions are actually turning into a shared reality accessible to everyone and find out how you can be a part of the big event where they reveal the data. We know you'll love hearing from Lynn just as much as we did, so grab a cup of coffee and something to take notes with as we all learn how to be better, inclusive listeners together. Hey, Lynn. Hi, doing great. So Lynn Miller-Pease is the CEO of Leadership Everyone, and if you don't know about Leadership Everyone, you need to, so it's uh, good that you're listening to this podcast. Uh, Lynn, maybe you could just kind of briefly summarize what Leadership Everyone is all about, and then we're going to get into a project that has kind of become a consistent deliverable for Leadership Everyone that's adding value to our community by capturing the vision for our region, not just from uh, leaders and people of of influence, but from our whole community really taking the time to listen. First of all, in case somebody's a little older, Leadership Everyone was formerly Leadership Evansville. So some people know it under that name, mm-hmm. and I think it's cool to connect those dots. Um, we are diverse servant leaders transforming community. That's our quick mission. And basically, we do very intentional gathering of people, all different walks of life, different backgrounds, different economic backgrounds, race, religion, preference, everything, as much as we can. And our initial work was around um, helping people discover how they could lead best um, and, and maybe, the, maybe be able to use their strengths, their talent, their passion, but doing this with the concept of servant leadership. So it's not, we have to take care of ourselves, be authentic, be real, um, but then it's finding ways to learn how to do great teamwork, how to do consensus, decision-making, how to do collaboration. And also in our retreats, we do three a year, we talk about and do a visioning process. So what we're talking about with the voice visioning process is something that leadership everyone has been doing for decades. But we did it primarily in our retreat. So if somebody joined the retreat, and I'm going to tell you, from the moment I became um, a facilitator staff member, And when I heard people from all different walks of life share the hope and the desire and what they wanted with their community and envisioned it, it really, it changed my whole life because it took us from a problem-solving place, in my mind, trying to fix things, to um, how do we use these incredible assets, these beautiful humans with all these different backgrounds and let them envision something even better. And then my favorite part, maybe, I love the first part too. (laughs) Favorite part too is that then, how do we actually make those visions happen? How do we figure out what's going on and try to make them happen? Um, So the, the retreat and the initial part of what leadership everyone does built Um, really the ability to do what we do with voice. Plus, a lot of times leadership programs and groups, they have a hard time. They get a group of excited people, 
And maybe they have like a set of beliefs, they have something going for them, whether it's a church, a school, um, young professionals, any of these groups and other leadership programs I visited. And then they get kind of stuck because they haven't quite figured out how to jump from ideas, visions, and unity into how do we pull stakeholders, different people together and find ways to make things happen where we start transforming community, not the way one or two of us think or 10, but in a collective movement. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is all kind of built on one another. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I've, I've felt for a long time, there's a lot of shared values between for Evansville and leadership, everyone. And this idea of servant leadership and that everybody has um, something of value to bring to our city and everybody has potential and influence, I think is such a beautiful way of thinking about how do we create change in our community. And one of the things that I love about Leadership Everyone and that I feel like I learn from you every time we have a chance to talk is that practical piece of how do we move from good ideas and relationships to uh, actually working together towards a particular end. Can you talk a little bit about with voice as, as that visioning session idea sort of transition from just within small pockets of leaders who were learning together to really this broad uh, listening yeah. project. What does that look like today? Um, give people a sense maybe of the scope of what, like the voices that are reflected within that. And then what's kind of the value that's produced by that visioning process for our region? Certainly. And I'm going to start a little bit with many leadership learning communities or people that come together um, or trying to make a decision for a community, I don't think intentionally, but maybe just out of what they're used to doing, they define leaders in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Or they believe that there are leaders and there are non-leaders or something. Mm, right. Okay, so first of all, Ellie doesn't believe that. Right. So when we're forming a retreat, we see all people as leaders, and we see all people as followers, now, there are positional leaders, there's elected leaders, there's people who um, maybe can finance a change, and we want all those too. I mean, I, I'm not one of those grassroots kind of places that say people should charge. And uh, No, right. we need all of it, right? We need all the people. And in an ideal situation, and I think over time, we've been able to create that, all the different ways in which people are interacting in leadership and community are beginning to be recognized. Mm -hmm. So in our work, um, a frontline person at a corporation and the head of a corporation, their visions in those retreats were weighted the same. Right. So keep that in mind. So when, as soon as I started it at LE, I, I thought, why are we not doing this visioning through the community? I mean, it, it killed me. I'm thinking, we can't just do this with 30 people at a time, 90 a year. Right. You know, I'm doing the math. This is going to take a long time, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, it did start that mindset change um, back in the 90s before maybe it was popular to be servant leader, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 
You should have heard some of the pushback then. But anyway, we're not going into that. Um, but there was some, you know. Yeah. The other thing is collaboration, big vision movements can't always be started when you want them. All right, so I could see, and several people on my board, they could see it would really be of great benefit to our city, to our region, to people, but it had to be the right time. And I don't know how to explain that to anybody, but if you've done any kind of collaborative work, you can even have several of the people in place. Right. But there has to be a little bit of an openness, an opportunity, and kind of a magic mix of people really willing to do this. So several different times, we, we thought maybe we had it. We thought it had legs. And it really only had one leg spinning fast and we were going in a circle. It just wasn't going to happen. Wasn't going to happen. And we even had some people involved that I thought maybe it could. Maybe a university president. Maybe it was the editor of the newspaper. We had things like that happening. But it wasn't time. So lo and behold, um, a friend of mine that I've known most of my life um, decided to run for mayor. So Lloyd Winnicky, before he was elected, came to see me, and he talks, it's a beautiful thing that he talks about, learning that sometimes politicians don't listen to people. So he said, if I get elected, 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 <laughs> oh my goodness, um, could we do listening sessions? And I'm like, Lloyd, okay, I'm all about where you're going, but we have this process where we get, we actually listen and get visions and then hopefully attach it. So Lloyd, he's a visionary too. So like all of these ideas are clicking and clicking. When he becomes elected, we decided to do the ver first broad-based visioning called Evansville Voice. We just did it. Right. I, I don't know how to explain it. We didn't, we didn't completely understand not the process, the process we do well. Yeah. I got the process. I knew about intentional inclusion. I, I knew it would build relationships. I knew it would help people get a shared vision. I felt certain we could make it happen. But there was a piece I really didn't understand fully. And that was called data. So once we started to do this with, I think it was 3,000 people, yeah. we got involved in this. We got some demographics but we weren't very scientific in it. And we were okay, but we didn't quite know. All of a sudden, we're doing this thing, then people that were doing a master plan wanted our information. Right. The millennial plan, I mean, it just kept going like this. The parks plan, the, the um, bus and transportation plan. And we're putting together the best we could give them, and it was still really good. I mean, it wasn't bad information. Right. And we did at least track race, age, um, some of the things, but I don't know in the first time we had income level. We didn't have census kind of information. Sure. To understand who you yes. came from and or whose perspectives were reflected. And to be able to connect it with a string like um, this particular group in Goose Town neighborhood or these streets, this income level, this race, um, were they veterans, were they handicapped, you know, all that stuff. Right. So we did this and it was hugely successful we got a couple of national awards because we were absolutely getting in there and it was facilitated in a way that everybody shared everybody had a turn everybody's voice was equal right, right? 
Um, everybody was included in making it happen if they wanted to be. People that didn't make it happen were included too. And we shared and shared and shared. So it was, it was hugely successful, hugely successful. Um, what we found out is when 3,000 people come together with a fair, open, facilitated process with great diversity, more people listened than this city. The state was interested. HUD was interested. You see what I mean? We were on to something. Right. How exciting is that? So that was beautiful. Then when we got to do regional voice, we got more sophisticated in our, in our demographics. Right. And we found a way, and I will tell you, I'm a facilitator. I do a lot of things. I'm visionary. The data details, thank you, Elizabeth, and that team that figured it out because I could not have even thought how to do it. I kind of knew what, how I wanted it to end, right. but I didn't know how to do the middle. Right. All right, so, and luckily in both of these instances, we had a number of different organizations, foundations, companies helping us financially do it. And that's so important because if it's just one, it may look like that organization's calling the shots. Right. Even when that's not true. So having everybody involved with that part was good too. Right. Right. So when we started Regional Voice, we thought we, we want to find a way to connect Henderson, Kentucky to Gibson, to Warwick, to Posey, to Vandenberg. How do we really connect and find out what people want? And part of what happens in these voice sessions, it's more than the vision, the data. People who don't know each other end up listening to each other and end up drawing a vision together and they've never met before. Right. So can I ask yes. specifically? Yes. Because I'm I'm coming in a little bit blind, so I'm I'm playing the like ask all the questions, <laughs> the specifics. I love understand. it. But what what exactly are you listening to? What kind of questions are uh, are you asking, and what kind of what kind of data and perspective are you collecting? From? Very good, and thank you. I'm so close to it, I sometimes forget <laughs> to describe the details. Yeah. So they come in, they sign in, and they get a sheet that on one side is asking a bunch of nosy questions. I think they're nosy. I mean, where do you live? What do you make? What's your background? All those kinds of census type questions, right? And on the other side, there's going to be some of the questions we ask that they're going to fill out. Okay. Next, visioning is incomplete without some concept of history. So we have a very detailed history of our region that's on a timeline. Now, the mistake that most communities do, I understand it. They really only like to put the good stuff. Sure. I mean, I get it, but that didn't work especially with marginalized people. So they're looking at this timeline that has talked about some of the really unfair things that have happened, let's say, to black people, or what wasn't fair with women. It's also talking about the great things that happened, and it's, talking about, and it's also bilingual, so we have it in Spanish and English. So the person that enters, they're gonna take a piece of paper, like a little post-it, and they're going to say their first name, and then they're going to say something 
that was significant in their life. It might be good or bad, um, and they put that on the timeline. What that does is it joins the individual with the history and the timeline of the community, okay? okay? The next thing we ask everybody to sit in a big circle. Every single question is facilitated, scribed, and recorded. It is understood that every person speaks before anybody speaks again. This is crucial because people who have a lot of poppy ideas, they'll go boom, 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 boom. The reflective person doesn't say a word. We're not winning then. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So we go around. Um, we ask each person to say who they are. If there's an organization they want to be associated with, maybe it's the neighborhood president, maybe it's a school if it's a kid, whatever, business, um, volunteer work. They say their name, the organization, if they want to. And then they say one or two words about something they're positive or passionate about. There's a lot of reasons for that. First of all, understanding what people feel good about and what they feel passionate about is huge in figuring out how we're going to make stuff happen. But the other thing for a facilitator is it gets our mindset going positive. We don't want a complaint session. If it were productive, we'd do it, but it's not. So they do that. The next, we don't want people to envision the future without having a concept of servant leadership. Because envisioning a future with servant leadership might be different than if I'm only thinking about myself, my own neighborhood, my own family. Then we think, if you think about our region in the future and you want a preferred future, we want it better, are there things that you would leave behind, no longer do or have, Are there things that you like now you want to carry it into the preferred future? If we don't allow our community to inventory some of the stuff that happened in the past, I mean, this is about forgiveness in the end, right? Right. If we need to leave racism behind, we need to say it was there and we're leaving it behind. Pretending it didn't exist doesn't help us get to forgiveness. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's a very... It, and again, it's one person saying one word, going around, we can go twice, yeah. you see, and they're recording those words, and then we're looking at that stuff, saying, man, this is stuff we don't want anymore. Yeah. So we go through, leave behind, carry forward. And what we're doing with all these questions, the timeline, is we're getting ready to do the preferred future work, the vision work, okay? okay? So in all the tables... There's big white pieces of paper, a bunch of markers, and then we ask them to sit quietly, and I tell a story. I tell a story of each one of them being the tour guide, and it's, let's say it's 15 years away, and they're describing, and I have a little script. What do the schools look like? What do the businesses look like? You know, so on and so forth, just kind of letting people think. And then I say, if there's something I've missed, where do you see you doing something powerful, something wonderful? Put yourself in the vision. They have to draw it in silence. Visions are not meant to be debated. We don't have to agree. We just need to communicate them. So people start drawing their visions. Sometimes these people that have never met end up drawing a combined shared vision. 
without talking. Yeah. And I mean, this happens in 10 minutes. If we were talking about it, we'd all still be there. <laughs> so, right? I mean, isn't that funny? And so we got five-year-olds drawn with 83-year-olds. We've got all these different people. Sometimes they do their own and sometimes they combine them. When we're done, a couple of more things will happen. They're to write down their vision on their sheet because we want to make sure that we get all that information, right? Their words. Then each group will stand up and share their visions with the rest of the group. So you start to see people go, oh. Like we have times when they go, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. One happened in Henderson, Kentucky. A high school kid, we were at the Henderson Library, and when he shared his vision, everyone in the room went, oh, wow. At the end, people start coming up and giving their business cards to him. They want him. He wanted an outdoor piano in the park so that anybody could come and play music. They could learn music. I mean, it's just a beautiful idea. Yeah. Beautiful idea. We had an oh, wow on boat taxis connecting all the different riverfront towns mm -hmm. together with boats so that we could go for what they said is that it's a trail we don't have to build. And we all went, oh, ow. That one popped up a number of times. Yeah. Um, one lady, Vi, she's from Goosetown, she said she wanted to be checked out. And we're like, tell us more, Vi. And she goes, no. She goes, I know how to can. I know how to grow food. I know how to do things like that. And these young people maybe don't. She said, so they need to check me out and I'll teach them. Mm -hmm. She goes, so it's like a personal library. library. Yeah. yeah. And then she said, and then I need to check out you. And she pointed to this 15-year-old girl. She said, would you please help me figure out my iPhone? Oh, right? Cool. So, yeah. so cool. The next question we asked was, with the whole group, now that you've heard other people's visions, what do you think are possible? Right now, soon, long term. Because that gives a shift to somebody's vision that they thought was really great. They might have heard somebody else's and thought it was possible. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. Really cool. Yeah. But that's kind of the overall. So if you can imagine 73 meetings like this, so over 2,000 people, we're seeing what the race is, what the economics are, all of these kinds of things. Um, there's so many questions. Um, then we see all the words or the wordles that pop up on those positive passion, leave behind, carry forward. Then we collected every single vision. So every one of those visions are put into groups and topics, I guess you would call it. Um, and so like when we get the data out and when we've got the dashboard, you'll be able to click on it. And it will show the different divisions, I believe. And then if you want to, you can see what was said, what was actually said. Yeah. But the coolest thing, you could look at this dashboard and you could type in, I want to know in Posey County from the ages of this and this, even a race, even a, a religious something, what were the visions of those people? So you could get all the millennials' visions, yeah. and then you could get all the boomers' visions, and you could look and see if they're really different. Yeah, interesting. 
Right. I mean, so anybody will be able to use this. If a corporation is looking at how do I attract and retain a certain age group, they're going to find out what's important to them. Are the connected trails more important? Experiences? Um, cost of housing? I, you know, I don't know, but it, you'll be able to pull that information. And then any organization in our region can use it for grants. They can say out of a couple thousand people, this is what pulled up in this area. Right. Oh, that's cool. So what you're saying is you're you're creating pretty much a, a database from all of these listening sessions, and it's going to be available to the public September 14th. Yeah. September 14th. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's going to be posted several places, obviously at leadershipeveryone.org. Sure. Sure. Um, but it'll be with Grow at, at Welburn. If Fort Evansville wanted to have this on your website, have at it. I mean, we we believe that really collaboration really in the simplest form means to share. And if we're not sharing, quite frankly, I don't think we're collaborating. Yeah. We might be coordinating. We may be doing other things. But true collaboration, um, it shares um, resources, information, credit, did you hear that third one? Credit, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, man, I don't care. Use it. We want it to be used, right? Right, right? The other thing that will happen at the reveal September 14th, 5 o'clock at Old National Events Plaza, will be we will be announcing some of the things that we are going to, to shepherd. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, cool. okay? It's been my experience that great ideas can fall flat if there's not somebody doing facilitation, project management, communication, all that good stuff. So, but having said that, even if we start with the data that was collected by Voice and LE, when we pull together that group of people that want to work on it, guess what? They're going to have input on what we do with it. Does that make sense? We don't, we're not going to push the answers. Yeah. So it, it should be. Yeah. Really cool. We might see ways to partner. Maybe right. for Evans look, oh man, we're doing that too. Um, how do we take our people and your people and your stuff and our stuff and right. how do we make this work? And I'll be going right on. Yeah. I yeah. love that stuff. Yeah. Well, I love I love that um, you guys are making that available in a way that's sort of like you've done all of this listening and you're inviting anybody in our community to lean in and listen as well. Any one person or organization probably wouldn't have it. They wouldn't be able to do listening at the scale that you've done. So you're inviting them in and saying, Hey, you know, you can listen, you, you can participate in this listening with us. We've kind of packaged it and made it available. I think you would say though that um, you wouldn't want people to view that as like, oh, well, now I don't need to go listen for myself because there's uh, there's an aspect of listening that builds trust and builds relationships, and the people who participated in this process had that opportunity to build relationships yeah. and trust. And so I wonder for those um, listening and for those who are gonna come to the voice reveal and be able to access this data and look at it, What's what advice would you have for them maybe to accompany that with some hands-on listening as well? Any, any advice for how to get outside the bubble of voices that you're used to hearing? 
and intentional steps that they can take to um, just have a listening posture in a way that's going to build trust and relationships? Beautiful question. In addition, we plan on doing at least 12 voice sessions a year. So anybody who's interested in this, they can come join us and help us. Yeah. The other thing they could do is say, hey, there's this area. I think we need a voice session here. Or could you help us with what it, what it takes to have an inclusive process? Sure. I knew we were inclusive, but according to consultants that really went over our process and our data, they've never seen any organization go to the length that we went to. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what that looked like on a practical level? Because I've heard you describe some of that before of like, we were intentional about who we went to first and where. Oh, yes, thank you. All of that kind of stuff. Could you just unpack a little bit of that just to give us an idea of what makes voice different from a typical listening process? It's one thing to value inclusivity and to have the intention of doing that, but the execution of it is really important too. When we first started doing the voice sessions with the city, we had to live our way into trust. Mm-hmm. Just having a good process alone won't do it. Yeah. Meaning people had to see us intentionally invite, include, absolutely show the findings every single time. Mm-hmm. And if something wasn't right in their point of view, we changed it. There's a way to do it, but part of it is living it. I would also say, I believe this, in order to do servant leadership, I have to be it, mm-hmm. not just model it, be it. Like it's, it's within me, what I do and how I live mm-hmm. and what my practices are. So if his inclusion is part of what you're looking for, you need to live it all the way through your organization. So if it's a nonprofit, they need to have diverse people not only on their board, but in leadership of their board. Right. It's hard to go inclusive if you give the appearance because of your lack of diversity or equity in your actual system. Does that that make sense? Yeah. So what when I took over LE, one of the things that I worked so closely with with another person I worked there went through every single thing LE does or is involved in. And if it's not showing what we teach, we have to change it, we have to fix it, we have to live it. Right. So that's, that's, that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. So you have to be so determined. And it means going out and meeting people, meeting people in different places than you're used to being, forming those relationships so they'll believe you enough to come. Right. And then you gotta behave right. Yeah. So does this make sense? And then it starts really working. Right. When we started Regional Voice, I had been out in the counties enough. Well, first of all, I would not go and do this work as Leadership Evansville. I, because I'm thinking Posey County just won me out of the county. <laughs> they're Posey County, they're not Evansville. Right. Yeah. So we actually changed our name before we did the work because we already were not Leadership Evansville. We were already from people all over the place. It didn't make any sense um, to, to, to talk about the founding location. So we changed it to Leadership Everyone. It was the right time to change the name. Yeah. What are some of the things that surprised you as you were 
going through this process or maybe what are the ways that going through these listening processes and exercises have impacted you personally? Because you've talked about how people are making connections and having kind of these, oh, wow, kind of moments. I'm curious, like, what were some of those moments for you or memories from this process that stand out that are impactful that are going to stick with you? There's oodles. When we did the first round of voice, there was a guy. Oh, he was crotchety. I mean, like, he, I don't know how old he was. And he was there only because... They need a something. I don't know if it was a stop sign, a light. There was something in his neighborhood and and everything else he would get. He'd get it. So, I mean, he he was a little bit, having a little trouble with the positivity in the meeting, but he stuck it out. <laughs> the other person that was there um, was the Vidal's youngest son. And at that time, Martin was maybe five or six years old. Venezuelan descent. When we got to the visioning, Martine was sitting with the old grumpy guy. So all of a sudden, they're getting ready to share their visions. And Martine reaches up and takes the hand of this older man. And you see this guy, he just melts. He goes from grumpy guy to grandpa. Like it was just beautiful. Probably never met a Venezuelan in his life. So he said, hey, there's something I really need. Approached it completely different. There's something I think would really help my neighborhood. And he goes, but the person you need to hear is Martine. And they started going back and forth about Martine's ideas, this playground. I mean, it was miraculous to watch the change in this one gentleman. So one of the guys that had been volunteering from at that time, veteran, he said, Lynn, I don't care what I have to do. I'm getting the man his stop sign. I mean, it was so funny, and James went after that and got it done. But yeah. it was just, it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. Um, but one of my favorites of all times, in Princeton High School, we had two sessions, almost 50 kids apiece. Wow. Phenomenal. The teacher that helped us, he put 50% of the kids were honor roll students, and 50% of the kids were JAG students. And JAG kids are the kids with great barriers. Um, and they, they looked a little different, too. I mean, they had a little different swag. You know what I mean? They were just a different look. But by the time we got them into the vision groups, and this one little girl, I'm so glad she was honest. She's probably about a junior. And she said, I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but my heart says I have to say it. She said, as an honor roll student, I thought you had to make good grades to be smart. And she said, I was so wrong. Because some of the kids who had much lower grades had the most incredible ideas and the most creativity for changing our community. When we can get the book smart and the creative kids, they'd never even talked before Mm -hmm. in this high school. So those kinds of things happened. Yeah. That's, That's very cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And I, I think our hope would be not only that listeners will uh, come to the Regional Voice uh, Reveal, which again is September 14th, 5 p.m. at Old National Events Plaza. Where do they go to the RSVP for that? If you go on our website, yeah. I feel certain, dot org, you should be able to find out about that. We'll put it in the show notes. 
So we'll include that and and listeners, please attend that because it's going to be a great opportunity to kind of unveil what is in this listening. And we're really excited about hearing it. But I, I think our hope would be that beyond that, that listeners would take away from this conversation just the value of listening yes. and listening to everybody and recognizing that we can learn from everybody. And if we take that time to lean in, hear somebody's story, hear their perspective. We might be surprised what kind of wisdom or insight or vision for the future we might hear from somebody that we have written off as somebody who we don't have much to learn from them or hear from them. I think a lot of times we think that someone that's in a certain position in life and somebody else, we think their visions are going to be vastly different. Mm -hmm. They aren't. I mean, I will, I will tell you that much. One other thing I forgot to say is at most of the sessions, we were blessed to have architects come and listen to the visions of people and make drawings. So the other cool thing at the reveal is um, one of the architects, um, Demson Haney, is going to have provided one that combined much of what was drawn and the pictures of many of the architecture drawings will be out there. And there's something about really good drawings that helps you feel things are possible. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it's really fun to see that too. And I almost forgot. So. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to being there. We hope our listeners will join us as well and that they'll have the opportunity to participate in listening in the future and to find ways to hop in you know, as as we look to make some of these visions a reality. Kids have always been included, so it's included in the reveal, too. I hate the idea that in order to be involved in something, you have to separate from your family. So feel free. If you've got little kids, bring them. Um, they've always been included. We've had a lot of their visions, and we need them, too. So feel free. Great. Yeah. Well, this sounds like a great opportunity to connect and to build relationships with our community at large then. So we're looking forward to that. Very good. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you. This was so much fun. Thank you.